for that particular story. Maybe I just need a couple of quotes or, you know, their stance on a certain issue. But they'll just talk to me for a good, like, 15, 20 minutes. Um, And, yeah, and you realise, I I think, just people like to be listened to. This is Down to Earth Conversations, where we hear from ordinary people who are helping to bring a bit of heaven down to earth. Kia ora. welcome to another episode of Down to Earth Conversations. I'm your host Andy Dixon, thanks for joining me. If you've listened to the podcast for a while you know I'm really big on inclusion. Finding ways to change systems and culture in both a personal and national sense so that people aren't excluded because of who they are. So we've had a number of conversations that have touched on race, disability, sexuality, criminal justice and other areas like that. So for today's episode, it was great to be able to talk with journalist, podcaster and disability advocate Olivia Shivers. I talked with Olivia about her role in the media and how being a wheelchair user has shaped her passions and areas of focus. We talk about the podcast she co-hosted in 2021 that won her an award for bringing more awareness around disability issues for both those with and without disabilities. Throw in some corridor around faith and about her roles with various trusts and charities, including her voluntary role as a DJ for Radio Lollipop, And this was another quality conversation with a top human being. This is episode 44 of Down to Earth Conversations. Here's Olivia Shivers. Joining me today is Olivia Shivers. Kia ora, Olivia. Hi there. Why don't we just start by... You introducing yourself a bit. Nohia Kwe, who are you? Where are you from? So my name is Olivia Shivers. I was born and raised in Auckland and I live in Auckland now. I have lived in Malaysia before. That's where my mum's side of the family is from. And I've also spent some time living in Finland where I studied for a bit. Um, but cool. yeah, Auckland is home and I work here as a journalist. So you're working for Stuff. And actually, I, sh- I should explain to our overseas listeners that Stuff is a um, independent media company in New Zealand, probably one of the largest, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah, with a real focus on journalism and, and things like that. And when I first came across you, um, you were a digital producer, digital. Yes. Is that right? Digital right. producer. Yeah. Yep. Got it in my head. But yeah. And, and now you're, um, you're in a journalism, a journalist role. Mm. Uh, is that something you always wanted to do? Yeah. I knew since I was a kid, I wanted to be a journalist. Um, I just, yeah, always really like storytelling and finding creative ways to tell a person's story. And I guess, yeah, growing up, I never saw authentic representation about disability. Um, And I live with a disability myself. So that kind of, um, yeah, I I just had a heart for that. So that's kind of how I became a journalist. Like you say, that's taken you even just in your study over to Finland. Mm. Um, why, Why Finland? Uh, it, was on a, it was a scholarship, so um, I yeah, basically was able to choose, it was basically the furthest country away from New Zealand, so I was nice. like, hey, I might as well just go there, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. Ah, uh, that's cool. What was your, what's one of your favourite memories of being over there? Ah, uh, just my a couple of friends and I, we did this cruise trip, we were on a Russian cruise ship. And we went around Sweden, Tallinn, and um, in Estonia, and to St. Petersburg in Russia. 
Um, and yeah, that was really fun. We actually ended up getting stuck on the cruise ship because there was a storm, um, but we made it back in time um, home safely. So yeah, but it's a little bit scary, but fun memories. Yeah, cool. Um, and like I say, you're in a journalism role now. Yeah. Um, do you want to describe what your role is? Yeah, so I'm on the Potiaki team at Stuff, and uh, our role is to, I guess, uh, amplify and raise a awareness for voices we don't often see in mainstream media. So my particular area of, um, I guess, interest and focus is with disability issues. So I guess it's like putting a disability lens across um, major news stories such as, you know, things like, you know, COVID and how does that impact the disability community? And I guess it's like having a dedicated resource to um, telling stories that I guess a busy mainstream newsroom wouldn't typically have. Yeah. So yeah, it's creating that space to tell those important stories. Yeah. So it's like those stories that aren't necessarily top of the urgent pile, mm, but are still mm. really worth telling and really important yeah. to tell. Yeah. Um, and I, I saw you've done some other things about like you, you did a piece on the Chinese New Year and your experience with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So able to kind of, tell some of your own stories through that as well, which is pretty cool. Mm, mm. Um, what do you love most about journalism? Uh, I really like just talking to people and listening to their stories. And I think I'm quite a good listener. And yeah, it's it's actually quite a privilege because you realise how open people are to sharing their life with you. Um, and often I'll call someone and for that particular story, maybe I just need a couple of quotes or, you know, their stance on a certain issue, but they'll just talk to me for a good, like, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and you realise, I, I, I think just people like to be listened to and yeah. it's for them um, to get something off their chest and maybe no one's ever actually asked them those questions before and asked how they feel about something. So, yeah, so I guess it's, yeah, giving an opportunity for people to, uh, hear their story and I think for me personally it's like knowing that the difference especially when it comes to disability issues like I mean I think for, you know for some journalists we have you know we do have a sense of justice um, and that's why we want to do this um, but knowing like someone's read your story and it's it might have made a bit of a difference even if it wasn't like some I don't know m massive law change although you know some great journalists in the work they do does you know, that does happen. But I guess for me personally, it's like having another disabled person to be like, oh, it's the first time I've ever seen a story that I could relate to. Um, and for me, that's just as important. Yeah. I guess on the flip side of that, what, what do you find most challenging about the journalism space? Yeah, there are challenges. Um, I guess because I have lived experience with disability, I genuinely do care about disability issues. And I guess I want to be able to represent disabled people well and authentically. Mm. And I think that does put a lot of pressure on me. Yeah. Um, although, you know, all the feedback that I've got has been overall positive anyway. But, um, yeah. yeah, so I think there's a bit of that pressure when you are so, like, involved in a topic that you're covering. Um, it can be quite hard. Um but I think, yeah, I don't know, just like all journalists, like the challenges are, I guess, trying to get comment from government officials or comms people yeah. um, and stuff like that. It takes a lot of work and a lot of um, determination, especially if you, you know, you yeah. want to represent their side and be able to tell the story well. 
Yeah, and there's a lot of yeah, a lot of waiting around, trying to find the right case studies and the people to tell the story well. So yeah, it does take a lot of um, patience and determination. What's your experience like from from the disability perspective? Uh, and I know we're going to talk about your podcast soon, but and you've got a whole episode on this. Um, but what's your um, experience of being a disabled person in that media space um, and observing? with that lens yeah you do see stories differently I mean my friends and I were kind of joking recently about um these protests that are happening at parliament at the moment over the vaccine mandates and things like that and we were like hmm where's the sign language interpreters in this situation or I wonder if they've got any accessible portaloos like if a person in a wheelchair (laughs) wanted to join in I don't think it looks like the most accessible place so for me whenever I go somewhere new or I see a news event or I see something I'm always looking how would a person with a disability uh, participate Um, so I guess for me I was really really blessed in my kind of in my career is that when I started I actually started at a documentary company called Attitude and they um, focused around making content around disability so right from the start I had a job which was very like aware of disability and people's access needs and everything was really like accessible for me starting that job so I guess when I transitioned and I always knew I wanted to work in mainstream media but when I kind of transitioned into that I guess I kind of had the confidence and the um, disability sector knowledge to transition into mainstream media like that was kind of like a good foundation for me so when I started at Stuff um, yeah I I had that confidence in me and so when I actually uh, before I even started the job I had a little initiation with like some of the building managers and we went around the whole office and figured out what kind of accessibility needs I would need. So checking the doorways were wide enough, that the car park was suitable, that I could reach things in the kitchen, um, the desks were height adjustable and things like that. So uh, we went through all that and they made a few little modifications in the kitchen. Um, But apart from that, yeah, it was all accessible. So when I actually like started the job, I didn't need to worry about the disability stuff because your first day of work is already quite nerve wracking. So it was really cool to go into the job and knowing that everything was going to be accessible and I didn't need to worry about the disability stuff, which is often the case when you do try and go somewhere new um, when you use a wheelchair. So, yeah, and I guess because I've been here for nearly four years now and I guess, you know, my colleagues, uh, I've been quite outspoken about disability issues and not every disabled person wants to go out there be an advocate, but I guess I'm kind of seeing this as an opportunity to use use my experience and my voice to hopefully make a little bit of a difference. So I have been a little bit more vocal about how we can tell disability stories better. So, yeah. Actually, I was going to ask about that because, you know, it's very easy to pigeonhole like someone with a disability to be the disability person or someone who's Maori to do the Maori stories. Or Mm. um, is, is that something that you've just naturally been drawn to or is it something that you've kind of been pigeon holding or like how does that work yeah I think it's an interesting balance I think um because I am personally quite outspoken about it like I don't mind and I think people are okay to approach me without feeling like they're tokenizing me and my disability if you know what I mean um so yeah I've always 
being really open to my colleagues and say, hey, like if you ever want to ask me a question, like you totally can. Um, cool. But I know not every disabled person has that opinion because it, like, it can get tiring when you are yeah. experiencing it and you are getting all these questions. Um, whereas I think in an ideal situation, everyone would have great disability knowledge and education yeah. and things like that, yeah. but that's not the reality. So I'm happy to um, help people learn and go on that journey. Yeah. One of the things that is part of both of our worlds is is that we're um, involved with church. When I think of the church and the media, there seems to be a bit of a mistrust among much of the church regarding the media. What's your take on that, having been inside the media? Um, yeah, no, I totally, I totally get that. Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. Um, and I think people have... I've never really had any like super confronting, challenging conversations with either colleagues or people at church about it. Mm. But I do know other people have, and I know it must be really difficult because I guess for me, the way, yeah, like my faith is really foundational to how I live my life. And I do know like some colleagues like know I'm a Christian and I go to church. And I think the way I see it is that I, yeah, I don't need to be at work, like, preaching in people's faces. But if something, if you know, a conversation comes up, like, I'm happy to talk about it. And also, I think the way I live my life is a better representation of my faith rather than having to um, preach to people about it. So I guess that's one side. But then also, I know that... Um, I don't know, when I think about the way Jesus, I mean, and this kind of comes into my, I guess, my disability advocacy stuff as well. Like the way Jesus treated other people when he was on earth was was so much like love and compassion. And he, you know, mingled and talked to and reached out to people who were outsiders or who were seen as outsiders. And when I think about like, when it comes to people like people with disabilities, like Jesus would be the one who would be hanging out with them and focusing on them the most. Um, yeah. So I guess that comes into the disability part. But also, yeah, I think the, I mean, specifically to my job when it comes to, yeah, wanting to make a difference and and the justice aspect, I think um, Jesus would be all for that. Mm. <laughs> and, and what would you say to the church people who are like really mistrustful of media um, is from your experience within the media, is that mistrust valid or, you know, Mm, how does that Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I totally get that, like, not, um, journalism has not always been done well. And Mm. I guess with things like that, you know, so much out, so much, so much information out there on the internet, it is, you know, I can understand it is hard to filter. And when you read something, it's easy to accept that. Um, it, yeah, and it, and it can be hard. And I can only speak from my experience, but I, like, yeah. genuinely do believe in the work we do as journalists. And, like, we are human. And for the, I do believe we are, you know, wanting to see both sides of the story and not lead people on. Yeah, I guess that's all I can really say from my yeah. experience. You know, and sometimes it may look like we're covering one topic more than another or something that's not balanced or that type yeah. of thing. But in all the stories I'm doing, like I really do want to make sure that I am showing both sides of the story and taking care um, for both for both um, 
both points of view um, and giving that voice and allowing people to have the space to 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 share to share their side because like I was saying before some people may have not had done that before um, and I guess that's my way of like loving other people and showing that they're cared for no matter what their background are or no matter what their beliefs are. Mm. And it must be hard too, like you said before, when you've got one side of the story and then you're trying to get the other side and you're just not getting anywhere because someone doesn't want to talk or, you know. And then yeah, that happens, that, yeah. And then that's what you've got to present. You know, you don't mm. you don't then have both sides to present. It, it must be tricky in that kind of situation as well to, mm. to mm. appear balanced. Yeah, I remember talking to Frank Ritchie on an earlier episode uh, who's a media chaplain and he, yeah, he was saying, you know, of all the journalists he, he's met and talked to, he doesn't know a single one who's in there with some sort of, like, huge agenda to try and get everyone believing exactly what they, you know, which is kind of almost the perception sometimes. But like you say, it's people going, actually, there's stories to be told here and it's our job to to tell those stories. So, um, yeah, I really appreciate what, what you do as journalists and, um, mm. and yeah, really support that. Um, but, yeah, one of your roles that you did with stuff was to have a podcast last year um about seven episodes is that right yeah and uh, do you want to tell us about um what was the name of the podcast and why did you choose that so the name of the podcast is what's wrong with you and it's about disabled people so we chose that title because we knew it was provocative and it would make people think um Mm. and it's a little bit shocking but it's a very common question many disabled people are asked on a daily basis or some variation of that question. And so that's why we chose the title and we came up with it quite quickly early on in the project because, yeah, we were just like, huh, that's a good title. And then it just stuck. Um, and I asked every guest that question, even if it was a little bit uncomfortable, but um, people knew kind of what they were coming into when they didn't interview yeah. with me. So it was a good way to like break the ice and see how people answered it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like you say that if that is something that people are experiencing, but then they're hearing it from you in a, in a more pro- provocative, getting people to think kind of way, that's actually really helpful as well. You seem like you guys had a lot of fun doing the podcast what are some sort of standout moments for you uh probably the travel episode so most of the episodes were done in studio with guests for the travel episode um so I produced the show with um uh two other good friends of mine who are also wheelchair users um Grace and Beck and so the three of us all in wheelchairs traveled from Auckland to Dunedin um, to interview our friend Umi, who is also a wheelchair user. There's a whole lot of wheelchairs. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah. we flew down together also with our friend Ella because we needed someone who could walk to like carry the stuff. Yeah, and it was also my first time making a podcast. And I was like going around the airports, traveling, trying to like record everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was really fun. And yeah, yeah it was challenging because you obviously want to record so much more than you need because you don't know what you're going to use. Yeah. Um, but because of that, we also had some like, like amazing, like authentic moments, which were picked up. Um, there was a time where we went to, we went, we went to visit Lana Castle because I wanted to kind of do some iconic Dunedin things, which most people would do. Um, and yeah, I've, I mean, yeah. So we bumped into the, I had my camp, my gear recording and we bumped into this couple and this guy said, 
wow, you flew all the way here in wheelchairs in quite a patronising <laughs> voice. And, um, oh, no. um, yeah, and so we caught oh. that and that was, like, brilliant. It was just, like, just classic, like, comments that you get when oh, you're a wheelchair wow. user that a non-disabled person would not typically get. So that yeah. was really fun. That was probably the most oh, memorable rough. bit of recording the, the <laughs> podcast because, yeah. um, yeah, it was really challenging and I was just, like, like – so thankful at the end of it that we all made it there in one piece um, and everything kind of went to plan. Um, so, yeah, that was probably the most memorable overall episode to to record. But uh, so many amazing interviews and so many amazing people that we got to meet. And, um, yeah, I was just really pleased with the end result. What were your hopes for it going in? I guess, yeah, just creating a space to tell stories about disabled people that you don't typically see in the mainstream media um, and it turned out so much better than I thought like we laughed so much we cried in some of the interviews um, we had some really hard conversations um, but I think through those stories and through the kind of anecdotes that people told like it kind of made people especially non-disabled people like realize what like the barriers that we face and so many people come up to me afterwards be like oh my gosh I had no idea it was so difficult for you to like book a restaurant that they would take for granted do you know what I mean or yeah go on an airplane or like book a uber or things like that so I think it really made people think and I mean I'm not just saying for my friends because my friends are pretty like disability and access aware now because they've known me for so long and they're great people um so, you know, already they are the ones who are kind of, I don't want to say advocating on behalf of me, but, you know, when they book restaurants, they always check that it's accessible beforehand and will only go to, you know, bars or places that are accessible. So they're great. But I hope that from other people listening to the podcast, they would also take that step and think about it if they've got people with disabilities in their world. Particularly your travel one was such an eye-opener for me, you know, hearing even the the idea of what vehicle are we going to get and how we're going to fit three wheelchairs in a vehicle and, you know, all of that kind of stuff that went with that, I think just really did highlight some of those things that a lot of us never have to think about. Um, And, yeah, I I was reminded actually of um, uh, Manny Cox, who we both know, who is a a guest on the podcast as well, and he, um, we used to be at the same church. And after he'd been there a while, you know, we'd, uh, I, I had a chat to him about, okay, how are we doing with accessibility and all that kind of thing? And, you know, what what are we doing well? What are we not doing well? And I'd been so focused on the big things like the making sure that we had the ramps and, the you know, all those kind of big things. And what was really interesting was he said, oh, it'd be really nice after the service if someone asked if I'd like a cup of tea and then went and got it for me because, like, lining up for it and then carrying it back you know, from there back to my seat, you know, when I've got cerebral palsy is actually really challenging. <laughs> and it, for me, it was a case of going, oh, there's actually, there are other big things and that's really important, but there's also the little things. And I think you picked that up really well um, through the podcast as well, that there's there's just lots to think about and lots to become aware of. And um, so, yeah, I mean, from my perspective as as a non-disabled person, I just found it so fascinating in a challenging way not fascinating in a voyeuristic kind of way but but actually oh wow there's things that I now need to think about because I'm no longer ignorant about some of that stuff 
mm. which yeah so and I, I imagine as well there's a bunch of people who are uh, do have disabilities who are listening to it feeling really encouraged and um you know things like that so uh, what what has the response been like to it oh it's been amazing I remember like when we first launched the podcast, like I couldn't read through my work emails without like tearing up. Um, it just people were so touched and it like really made a difference that I would like that I hoped it would. And like, yeah, I think the main thing was people just feeling like they weren't so alone in their experience of disability, which, you know, a lot of disabled people feel because in their worlds, in their workplaces, at school, at church, like they are the only disabled person. Um so for me, that was just, yeah, amazing to get that feedback. So I guess I didn't really expect that. So that was like a pleasant surprise. Um, but yeah, I think because, I mean, that first that first episode on parenting, like whether or not you have kids with disabilities or not is super touching. And Tiana is just yeah. amazing. So I got a lot of like feedback from other parents of disabled kids on that episode feeling like, she had given them hope by sharing their story yeah, and that cool. was just amazing. I loved actually in that episode that you talked about parenting kids with disabilities but also being a parent with you as the parent having a disability and, and covered kind of both of those and uh, again stuff that a lot of us would never think of. And um, But yeah, one of the other things I really liked was your challenge of language around stuff as well. And again, I remember Manny saying, you know, that people talk about him being confined to a wheelchair and he's like, man, there's nothing confining about my wheelchair. You know, I can take my son for a walk because I have a wheelchair and when he gets tired, I put him on my lap, you know, and I can keep going. And, um, and I think you did a lot of that through the podcast as well of just these little things that, um, you know, highlighted how important language is, how important attitude is, um, but also then the physical spaces and things as well. Um, and, and a congratulations out of that too, because you then received an award at the Attitude Awards. Yes, um, yeah. Is that linked to Attitude who you worked for? Yeah, so it was kind of weird how it's all kind of come full circle. So that so their Attitude, the production company, so they make the documentaries and then they also run the Attitude Awards, which is a award ceremony for the disability community. And yeah, so you, you, you won... Uh, the Supreme Award, yeah, and and part of that was your work on the podcast. So congratulations on that, and I think Thank you. definitely having listened to the podcast, well deserved. And I'll put some links in the in the show notes so people can go and and have a listen. I'd totally awesome. recommend Thanks. going and listening to this podcast because, yeah, I just once I listened to the first one, I just binged it. It was <laughs> it was just so important and yeah, so valuable, particularly in the inclusion kind of space that I'm really passionate mm. about. So. Uh, and you cover a whole bunch of topics in there from parenting to media. Uh, and one of the ones you cover is religion, mm. which we've already talked a little bit about as well. And I found that really important because, you know, I've grown up in the church and I've seen some of the, I guess, unhealthy perspectives that can put pressure on people of all sorts, but particularly in, in the case of people with disabilities or illnesses or things like that. And um, so, yeah, I, if you've got any sort of, connection to religion at all I think that's a must listen that episode as well as all your stuff with the media you've also been heavily involved in some voluntary things being on boards of of different organizations how did that come about so um I uh, was on the board of trustees at Star Jam for five years so um I uh, 
was involved with them. So they're an um, organisation and they provide performance opportunities for young people and kids with disabilities. So they run work free, free workshops um, that include like dancing and singing and musical instruments and things like that. So I was involved with them since I was maybe 11 or 12 years old. And then um, when I was, yeah, 23, I was on the board of trustees there and it was really important to them, which I think should be for all disability organisations to have that disabled voice on the board. Yeah. Um, so I was on. I was there for. I was on there for five years, um, and that was an amazing experience. Just learning about governance, and I guess for my own personal development. Um, but you know, life got busy, so I couldn't really stay on for for yeah. too much longer after that. Um, yeah, so that was amazing. And then I'd also had a um, governance role as the youth representative at the Muscular Dystrophy Association. So that's the disability I have, muscular dystrophy. Um, and yeah, they wanted a young, I think nearly every member on that on that um, involved there has a disability or a relation or is a fam- has a family member to disability. Um, and yeah, and having, I guess, a um, young person's voice was really important. I guess, yeah, through all those roles, I see it as a way of, um, I guess as a way of giving back, but also knowing like, it's quite, you know, for them having a dis- an authentic disabled representation is really important because it actually makes a bigger difference with how the organisation runs. Like if you if you are a disability organisation and you have disabled voices at the central, at the core of the foundation of how you run, you're actually going to improve the experience for the people that you're serving. Um, and yeah, there are a lot of disability organisations where there aren't, you know, or boards where there aren't many, if any, disability voices. So, um, yeah, I think that's really important to have. Yeah, I like the the phrase that I've heard recently of nothing about us without us. And I think, yeah, like you say, that's it's a really valuable thing, whether it is disability, whether it's, um, you know, Pākehā making decisions about Māori issues, you know, there there are lots of imbalances and lots of uh, ignorance comes when there's not true representation. So, um, so yeah, that's really cool that you've found yourself in those places as well. Um, and and you've done some work um, volunteering for Radio Lollipop. Do you want to tell us about yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. So Radio Lollipop they um, run basically like a play program um, and a radio station throughout children's hospitals around the world. So I um, volunteer at Starship. Um, so once a week we run a radio show and we play awesome music and play games and have competitions. And then we also, um, play with the kids in hospital and it's just like a fun distraction from being stuck in a hospital bed all day. Um, cause I was in Starship quite a lot and I remember when I had, visitors and it was honestly like the highlight of my day so I guess that was another thing that I wanted to do and give back and I think I'd got just gone through quite a hard time when I just before I started volunteering at Starship and it was a really good way of putting the focus on other people and not my own problems and um not, not saying, like, to put things into perspective, but, like, when you are serving and helping other people, um, yeah, it makes you 
yeah, you're focusing on other people and not your own issues. Um, and I think that's something that's really helped me, like volunteering there is often the highlight of my week. And it's really cool to, yeah, to be around kids and seeing the joy that they can still have despite their circumstances. And they often all, they're the ones actually who ask me that what's wrong with you question a lot. But I don't mind ask, answering it for kids because they're genuinely interested. They're not asking, yeah, voyeur, from a voyeuristic p- perspective. And I figure like if you can educate them and tell them now, they won't be asking those questions when they're an adult. So um, the way I usually would explain it to kids is, well, I was just born like this and um, just like people are born with different colored hair, some people need to wear glasses. That's just the way I am. But I can still do this. I can still drive a car and travel in an airplane. And I've been to university. So, um, yeah, I find it's quite a good way to, I guess, educate kids, but in a yeah. fun way. Yeah, cool. I mean, even for me, even the name Radio Lollipop just invokes the idea of fun and joy. And mm-hmm. yeah, it sounds like you have a lot of that when you're with them. Yeah, yeah. Do you have kind of any memories of being in there that stand out to you? Yes, I remember requesting Spice Girls on the radio. (laughs) 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 Yep, that's that's my like, one of my first childhood memories, I think, actually. I was stuck in hospital and I requested Spice Girls on Radio Lollipop. And so whenever I do run the radio show, I do... um, play a bit of Spice Girls, even though the kids in there probably don't know who they are anymore, but I just play one Spice Girls song just for myself. <laughs> Funny. And and so kids get to request stuff like yeah. when you're in there? Yeah, yeah, we get a lot of Baby Shark, a lot of Disney songs, whatever like the most popular Disney song at the moment is. Um, I guess there's like TikTok is a big thing, so any popular songs on TikTok. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I just really appreciate you coming in and chatting I think the the fact that you're uh, willing to talk about disability in a public setting is is actually really encouraging and really helpful for those of us who it's not our experience. And I think like it is important not to consider all people with disabilities as resources for us to learn more and find out more because mm. they don't all, all mm. want to be that. But the fact that you put yourself out there and, and are telling the stories that you're telling, you know, for me, that is when I talk about bringing a bit of heaven down to earth, you know, I think you're doing that through your work. So, um, yeah, thank you for for who you are and what you do and um, thank you for bringing a bit of heaven down to earth. Thanks so much. Hello, hello heaven Will I hear you whisper to come I love that Olivia and her friends decided to tackle this attitude head on with their podcast asking, what's wrong with you? Seriously, go and listen to it. You won't regret it. And keep an eye out for Olivia's articles and stuff publications. She's such a breath of fresh air in that media space and is doing such amazing mahi and challenging mindsets and helping people with disabilities to know that they aren't alone. Olivia, you're such a wonderful person. Here is a blessing for you. May the new role you find yourself in this year be a source of light and life for you, just as you bring light and life to those who read or hear your work. 
May you continue to find creative outlets such as your podcast to encourage and inspire others and may you in turn be encouraged and inspired by the response you receive. But even if you don't hear a thing, may you know that your life is touching the lives of many others and they are better for it. May you continue to find joy in the world around you and even in those times where life gets hard, may you always find ways to spice up your life just as you do for countless kids in Starship. May you continue to know great and lasting relationships, friends that will stick by you and have your back no matter the situation. May you continue to have the courage to speak up and speak out when it's needed, in the media, in the church, in life. But may you also find times where words are not needed, where you can see the world changing for the better, and where your hope for the future is renewed. And finally, may you know that you are seen, you are heard, and you are loved. Thanks to Strawn for the music and Rangi for the karakia. Join me next time when I talk to Matt Renata about his study of Indigenous theology, his journey of discovering how his faith and his culture intertwine, his involvement at Ihumatau, and his experience of youth work and youth development both inside and outside the church. Until then, me inoi tātou. E tō mātau matua i te rangi Kia tapu tō ingoa Kia tau mai tō rangatira tanga Kia mea te tau e pai ai ki runga ki te whenua Kia rite anō ki tō te rangi Humai kia mātau ai nei E taroma mātau mō tēnei rā Muro mātau hara Me mātau hoki e muru nei I o te hunga E hara ana kia mātau Aua hoki mātau e kawea Kia whakawaia E ngari whakorangia mātau I te kino Amen